Hello, St. Louis. This is your host, Brian Bisking of the STL Leaders Podcast. Before we get to our episode today, I want to talk about two of my great sponsors. First, Inbound Blend Digital Marketing. As a business owner, are you busy running your day-to-day operations all while juggling a million things? Inbound Blend Digital Marketing provides affordable month-to-month website and marketing services with plans starting in the hundreds, not thousands. Here at the STL Leaders, Inbound Blend does all of our marketing, our website, and everything that has to do with our marketing, and they do a fantastic job. They bring expertise-level marketing that fits small company budgets. To find out more, go to inboundblend.com. We're also sponsored by Enterprise Bank & Trust, member FDIC. Enterprise Bank & Trust knows that every business and every person is unique. That's why we get to know you in a way that large financial institutions don't. We encourage you to get to know Enterprise. Let us get to know you too, because together, there's no stopping you. And now, to this episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. Hello, St. Louis. This is your host, Brian Bisking, and this is the STL Leaders Podcast. Did you know that there are 2.8 million people that live in the St. Louis metro area? There are many leaders inside of that population. I started this podcast to give those leaders a voice. The STL Leaders podcast mission is to speak to the leaders of our area to gain insight into their story, their journey, and the lessons they have learned along the way. Each episode gives you inside access to the people who make St. Louis what it is today and what it will be in the future. Listen as we dive into what makes each leader so impactful and how they view success, mindset, and leadership. This podcast is brought to you by Synchrony HR. NWO IT Services, Inbound Blend Digital Marketing, and Enterprise Bank and Trust. On today's episode, we welcome Christy Maxfield to the show. After a lengthy professional fundraising career, Christy started her entrepreneurial journey in the spring of 2010 when she co-founded the Mission Center, an administrative service company for nonprofits. Today, she is president and CEO of Purpose First Advisors and co-hosts the Entrepreneurial Thinking Podcast. Christy was on the inaugural board of Forward Through Ferguson and has taught entrepreneurship at Washington University in St. Louis and University of Missouri, St. Louis. Christy, welcome to the show. I appreciate you giving me some time today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, We were connected through um, networking, uh, which seems to be the case here in St. Louis, and and I had the opportunity to to meet you and chat with you, and I'm just excited to have you on and and talk to you about, you know, your your day job and your podcast and and all those fun things. Yeah, I think Chris Rizika um, introduced us. So it's always good to hear from a friend of a friend that you've got to get in touch with somebody. So glad we were able to connect. Yes, absolutely. So I've known Chris probably five years and he's a great networker and he's connected me to a lot of uh, great people. So anytime he introduces me to somebody, I I always want to connect with him as well. So great. Yeah, so let's get started. So for our listeners out there who may or may not know you and and what you do, um, I obviously I know a little bit more probably than they do. Sure. Why don't you give us a little background on your your organization, and then we'll get into the podcast a little bit later. But let's start with your organization. That sounds good. Um, in uh, 2017, I started the um, the firm Purpose First Advisor. So I work with 
entrepreneur support organizations, so organizations that exist to help people start and scale their businesses, as well as individual business owners providing strategic business consulting. Um, so I have the pleasure of working with a lot of small business owners. Sometimes they're uh, managing small teams, sometimes they're solopreneurs, sometimes they're what we would call a micro business that has less than 10 employees. Um, it can really vary, uh, but from that startup to that scale up stage is really what I do. And I've been doing that with Purpose First Advisors for the last three years, but I've really been in the startup space and the entrepreneurship space since 2010 when I did my first startup. Gotcha. So you, you had your own startup then? I did. I actually joined uh, Chris Miller, who was the conceptual founder for the Mission Center, which is an administrative services company for nonprofits. So we left our day jobs. He was in social enterprise and has, was working for a, a startup company. And I did the first half of my career in professional fundraising. So I was in the social sector. And we went and uh, built the Mission Center from the ground up. So we're what I would call non-technical founders. We weren't accountants, we weren't HR professionals, we weren't insurance professionals until we got licensed to be. <laughs> but we built an, uh, an administrative services company for nonprofits that still exist today. Oh, that's exciting. So I also know you uh, used to have um, some connectivity to the Cortex, correct? Can you talk to me about that? Sure. Um, so when I, I left the Mission Center, I did a brief stint with the Visiting Nurse Association. They were looking to do a for-profit subsidiary of their nonprofit. So I learned how to do a public offering, which was really exciting. And then I joined uh, CET, the Center for Emerging Technologies, as the Director of Entrepreneur Development Services. And CET happens to be in the Cortex District and actually a, a nonprofit subsidiary of Cortex. So Cortex's job is to focus on real estate and to curate the district, uh, an innovation district where we can um, attract and accelerate innovation by having folks in dense close proximity. And the Center for Emerging Technologies is one of the state's 10 innovation centers. And it's really focused on how can we help entrepreneurs break in to their business and establish businesses primarily in the IT, bioscience, and consumer manufactured products industries. Gotcha. Okay. So so where did you, obviously there's a passion here for entrepreneurial. So obviously I can, you can see that theme. Where did you get that passion and where did you, where did that come from? I really got interested um, in social entrepreneurship in my work as a development professional. So raising money for nonprofits is all about making sure they have the resources they need to be successful. And as I was moving to St. Louis in uh, 2005, the impact investing, social entrepreneurship, social enterprise conversations within our sector were really starting to ramp up and people were really interested in impact investments and all sorts of different ways to fund work that changes the world. Um, and essentially social entrepreneurship is looking at how can we use earned revenue models, blended revenue models, both contributed and earned revenue to create the change we wanna see in the world. And that's when I got excited. Um, I actually, my dad was a florist. He owned our family florist that my grandfather started. And if he had told me I was gonna be an entrepreneur when I was growing up, I would have told you there was an easier way to make money. Um, <laughs> it's a lot of hard work. Like we worked yeah. weekends and holidays and all of that, and I, you know, I saw the hard work that my family had to put into having a family business. So I didn't think this was my pathway. But once you added the social component and you started to talk about how 
earned revenue and profits could fuel social social change, I really got excited. And that's really how I've come to do this work now. Very interesting. So where was your father's florist at? I grew up in Parsippany, New Jersey, and my dad's florist was in what was at the time called West Patterson. I forget what fancy name they gave it now, but they don't want to be associated with Patterson, so they've changed the WP to mean something else. But it'll always be West Patterson in my heart. <laughs> That's um, funny. Yeah. So, you know, um, my dad was the, the owner of the florist. My mom was a nurse by training, and I studied political science in undergrad. So, you know, this is all just sort of... Um, really it's very purposeful in a lot of different ways in terms of knowing myself and knowing what I'm interested in but also not a very linear pathway from do this do that do this do that it's a little bit of backwards and forwards which is very entrepreneurial <laughs> it, absolutely, it absolutely is yes yes it is so so tell me so you work with you know smaller companies advising them on what exactly so usually sometime, usually sometimes, usually someone, I should say, comes to me because um, they have gotten their business off the ground, but they're not sure where to go from here. So they're making revenue, they're earning revenue. Um, they may or may not be at profitability. They know they could be doing some things better. They want to grow the business. Um, and we're having a discussion. Sometimes we go back to the fundamentals of what problem are you solving and whom are you solving it for? and really make sure that they're aligned in their customer segment and who they're attracting to purchase their goods and services. Other times we're looking at infrastructure. So what kind of processes, procedures do you have in place? Um, and almost always we're talking about mindset to some degree. You know, what do you want this business to be? What are your aspirations for yourself personally and your family? Um, what do we have to do to build the business the way you want to have it support you and, and your loved ones? Um, and so that's oftentimes where I'm encountering folks uh, with COVID. I've, I've got to meet a lot of folks who are also just struggling to keep their businesses afloat. So we're having a lot of conversations, too, not just about uh, those infrastructure pieces and the marketing components, but the fundamentals around building cash flows and financial projections, which really come into play for any type of company, but particularly when you're in a crisis, having your handle on that information is really important. Absolutely. Well, I think, you know, as I've done this podcast, obviously the COVID pandemic comes up in just about every episode. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, I think um, I, I spent a little bit of time on us probably in, a, in every episode just talking about, you know, the small businesses we have here in St. Louis. And so what are what are you telling the the entrepreneurs and the small businesses that, you know, maybe just started their company a year or two ago and don't have a, um, a sol I don't want to call it a solid foundation, but really, you know, a lot of um, experience or background how to handle something like this. How are you leading them through this time? The conversation is really about understanding how you make money. So a lot of folks know they sell something, but they don't understand uh, how or whether or not it's profitable. Um, so in some cases, if let's just say you have a, a line of, of uh, body butters and soaps and personal care items, um, if you don't really know which ones have the highest profit margin for you, uh, you can't be really highly targeted in your marketing. And every sale isn't the best sale. All sales are yeah. good to a greater or lesser degree, but sure. there are some sales that are better than others, right? So when the time is times are tough, you got to get really hyper focused on, you know, what does it take to create my product or service? What can I price it at? 
which of those things are making me the most money and how can I attract more of those customers? And for those folks already in business who've, whether it's they've got two, three, five years under their belt, right now we're talking about how do you retain the customers you have? How do you look for new customers in segments that might be less hard hit by COVID? Right. How do you offer both those current and prospective customers interesting, innovative ways to use your product or service that maybe they didn't think about before the pandemic. So there's a lot of creativity and a lot of um, forward thinking in terms of being proactive in your outreach and the kind of engagement you're having with your customers. Absolutely. And I think, you know, kind of, you know, what I heard there is almost sometimes going back to basics, looking at what your profit oh, yeah. margin, you know, profit margin is on a certain product finding the product that's, or, or, you know, service, I guess, even for that matter, that's, that's making the most money and, you know, and in dialing in your target market so that you specifically know exactly what the target market is so that you can go after those, those customers. Right. Um, yeah. So I think that's extremely important. Yeah. I'm assuming you, I'm assuming you talk a lot about, you know, uh, you mentioned mindset and leadership with these, with these entrepreneurs. Um, how, how do you get your how do you get these uh, people that work with you to kind of focus on those qualities of mindset and leadership? Sure. We start out primarily by looking at what is their vision for the company? So we may know that we really need to dig into the finances or the marketing or the finances and the marketing. But let's start with what is your vision for the company? I have one client who wants to exit in the next five to seven years. I have another com uh, customer who really wants to run this business long term and maybe pass it on to family members. I have other customers who really just want this business, this way of making a living to support them in the lifestyle they enjoy. All of those are good reasons to have and build your business. So yeah. what is your vision? And then what is it gonna take to get there? And the vision itself has to be sufficiently motivating to get you to get up every day. And yeah. if you're going to build a company with employees, it certainly has to be inspiring enough for them to get up every day. So we kind of go back to the it sounds kind of hokey, like mission, vision, values. But in, if you don't know why you're getting up every day and you don't know what success is going to look like at the over the next rise, um, you could get there and and either not be where you wanted to be or not be satisfied where, with where you are or be following somebody else's dream altogether. Yeah, you know what uh, you know what that reminds me of is when you're talking about that is something that one of my very first mentors made me do was read the, the you know, the book by Simon Sinek, uh, What's Your Why? Uh -huh. and, um, because there was a time, you know, obviously I'm in a sales type of a role. There was a time that I didn't know why I was why I was going to work, why I was, I mean, obviously you go to work to make money, obviously, but um, <laughs> some people go to work and they just, they just go to work to collect a paycheck and go home. And that's not my mentality. My mentality is I want to make as much money as I possibly can. But the question is why, why do I want to do that? And so, you know, for me, it's for my wife, it's for my, you know, my family. Um, that is why it's, it's, I want to leave a legacy for them. And I think going back to those basics for these entrepreneurs to know, why did you start this business? What What is your vision for what it looks like? And to your point, if you if you can't answer those questions, it's going to be hard for you to get up every day and motivate yourself to make it successful. Indeed. And for some entrepreneurs, and this is where the, the social aspect comes in a lot, I'll get a lot of folks who come to me who say, I want to start a nonprofit. And the very first thing I ask them to do is show me their financials because a nonprofit is a tax status, not a business model. Yeah. And I'm much more interested in, can you provide a good or service that people want to pay a premium for that allow you to build wealth for you and your family? 
and then do what you want in the community with the profits you have. Because as an owner, after everybody's paid, including yourself, your profits right. are yours to distribute how you see fit. And right. so there's lots of ways to change the world that use profit and don't necessarily have to rely on a nonprofit tax structure. If the nonprofit is the way to go, then that's the way you go. But there are a lot of people who really see their business as a way to help transform their community, create jobs, opportunity, um, just vibrancy and, and economic activity. And so how can we make that so that not only the community benefits from it, but that they're actually accruing wealth as well? Absolutely, absolutely. Now for a quick break, we bring in our sponsor, NWO IT Services. I don't know about you guys, but at the STL Leaders, we obviously have technical and IT needs, and we utilize the guys over at NWO IT Services. As a business owner, downtime is not what you want to worry about. And with NWO IT Services, they take that worry away. They take that worry away with their month-to-month managed service packages. They're not only locally owned, but they've been here in St. Louis and operating for over 12 years. We are your technology partner. And for more information, you can visit nwoitservices.com. And now back to Christy Maxfield. Let me ask you this. You know, obviously, you deal with a lot of entrepreneurs. And when you, you know, you're dealing with them, you see their, their certain qualities that they have. What, do you, what qualities do you see in leaders and entrepreneurs that you think makes those specific uh, leaders very successful? Is there like a specific quality or set of qualities that you can recognize? I happen to uh, believe that you can learn entrepreneurship, that it's not an innate skill. And there are folks who really do believe that entrepreneurs are born and not made. Yeah. I tend to think that there are different types of entrepreneurs and that we exhibit different qualities at different times. So um, for the for the disruptor, the success is really in their ability to to see beyond what is the current reality, their ability to really be a futurist and vision and then enlist people in that vision who can help them execute. Um, I tend to describe myself as an operational entrepreneur. I'm not necessarily waking up at two o'clock in the morning with the next life-changing innovation, <laughs> but when you do, give me a call and then I'll sit down with you and we'll figure out how to make go from A to B to C to D uh, to make that work. Um, because if it's sufficiently inspiring to me, then I wanna make sure that you can bring that vision into the world. And typically the person who's really good at visioning is not the person who's really good at putting all the pieces together, integrating them to make a whole and then translating that vision into actionable steps. So we need we need all those kinds of people in the mix. Um, entrepreneurs in particular, their ability to be tenacious and audacious. Um, I often would say doing my startup I would on a regular basis ask myself, am I crazy for staying or would I be crazy to go? And I figured just so long as I was questioning my sanity, I was probably sane. Um, <laughs> you know, and uh, because it does require you to sort of in the face of incredible odds and all the evidence to the contrary to keep going if you really believe that what you have and, and the plan you have to execute on it is going to result in the outcome you want. So that that commitment that endurance the ability to recharge and refuel and go back into the game um a lot of times for startups that is part of the differentiator it also yeah. really requires you to be humble enough to surround yourself with really smart people yeah. and be willing to have your idea critiqued so being coachable is one of those skills that it's hard to identify in like a interview question yeah. Um, but I, you kind of know it when you see it um, and the, the ability to take feedback, 
contemplate, experiment, get additional feedback, reevaluate where you are, perhaps make changes, understand that critiques are probably about your idea, not about you as a person. Um, that to me is really, that coachability will really set most people apart. So uh, yeah, absolutely, it's so important. And no matter, <clears throat> honestly, no matter what role you're in, right? Um, yes. To be, able to, to be able to take the feedback, um, not take it personally, right? Take, mm -hmm. take humble about it and apply that to whatever position you're in today. Um, and then go forward and then take more feedback and continue to mold yourself is how you become a good leader, in my opinion. I think that's um, that's why we have mentors and coaches and and all those things that can help us go that way. And I think if you're in the in the startup community and and getting into that, um, you know, into that industry would be 100 uh, percent coachability and being able to be uh, critiqued in your either your process or your service, your product is very, very important. It is. And then also just being able to execute. A lot of times what differentiates one person with an idea from another person with a very similar idea is the ability to execute. Yeah. And so to the to that point about being the visionary, can you can you have the vision, articulate the vision, inspire others to join you and actually get it done? Right. Uh, that that can make all the difference as well. So on the opposite of that, what do you see as the biggest mistake that a leader can make? Ooh. Being concerned with getting the credit. Um, you know, Ooh, the, the, the leaders that I see who inspire me the most and, and I think inspire those who follow them the most are the ones who can paint the vision, enlist the teams they need and then provide them with the resources they need to be successful but don't have to be the ones who garner the success and in fact are really willing to make sure that everyone who's contributed to the effort gets praise and and recognition for the role that they played um, the idea that you know you can do anything by yourself and certainly in entrepreneurship the myth that you you know you're a self-made man or woman is really a myth because you're you can't get to those levels of success without having an amazing team with you and they're either going to follow people either going to follow you out of fear or they're going to follow you out of admiration and respect i'd much better rather be respected and and followed for that absolutely well i think your point there about being a humble leader and not having to be the um receive praise or, or anything along those lines, it's a, it can be a team effort. And I think the leaders who recognize that it's a team effort and it takes everybody to get the job done each day and make a company successful are the ones that probably grow the fastest and are the most um, respected leaders uh, in their industry. And I think that's a very, very valid point, a great point um, to be had. It's really interesting too that, you know, being able to say like, I didn't think of it that way, or I didn't know that before, I now know it now, and I'm willing to make a new decision, a new choice. Um, sometimes we see leaders as people who are infallible, when in fact, I think they're the people who are willing to say uh, that didn't work, and now we're going to try something different. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's dive into your podcast a little bit on entrepreneurial thinking. What, what, create, what gave you the idea to kind of start that? Oh, it's a person. Um, so the the who is Jade Harrell. And Jade Harrell, uh, you might know her now from being on our um, local NPR station here as one of the, the radio personalities there. But yeah. uh, she had graduated from an entrepreneurship program at the Center for Emerging Technologies just before I came on board. 
And then as we got to know each other and she got to know Dr. Cheryl Watkins Moore, who's my co-host, Jade came in one day and said, you know, you guys should really do a podcast. And we both said no. <laughs> um, and we like to talk. Don't get don't get me wrong. But we were like, that's just not us. We no, 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 no. Um, well, needless to say, Jane is persuasive. Um, and we sat down and we're now probably close. Well, over 200 shows in and about four years. Yeah. 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 What I didn't realize at the time was Jade was pitching a weekly show. I think if I had known that, I probably would have had even more hesitation. But um, it really what she saw was the potential to help people see the entrepreneurs who don't always get seen, yeah. who are toiling in the background, who are building small businesses without a lot of fanfare. And uh, and in the process of doing that, elevating and celebrating the stories that will then inspire the next generation, particularly for women and entrepreneurs of color. So, um, you know, when we open up our business journal or our post dispatch, we might see some multi generation families. We might see some high growth uh, startups that have just gotten venture funding. But there's hundreds of other people running businesses every day in our city um, who aren't on those pages. And we wanted to make sure we could tell their stories. Yeah, I think it's uh, so cool. And the reason I, I bring it up is obviously um, we're kind of parallel. And the reason I started this podcast is very similar to the reason you started, you guys started yours. And that is that we have so many leaders here in St. Louis that either A, don't get recognized um, or B, people don't realize you know, who they are. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, one of the reasons I started mine was to give the leaders of our community a voice to talk about their journey, their path, how they got started, what they do, how they impact our community, um, because you don't see those every night on News Channel 5, right? You, you, exactly. But those are the people that are actually the biggest impact on our economy and our community, right? Um, and so I think it's so cool that you guys have that podcast, and um, I think it's really, really neat that you are giving you know, those leaders a voice as well. Well, thank you. It's been a lot of fun, and we've met amazing people and been able to introduce the the arc of their stories is usually very similar in some ways and very different in others. And I'm always excited when somebody says I listened and I, I was just so excited. And then I listened to five more and I like, <laughs> yes, the courtesy yeah. listen turned into the binge listen. I love right. it. Yeah, that's that's what you want. Right. And, you know, I'm sure you can relate. But, you know, it's I've only had mine, my podcast now for, you know, 17 episodes, uh, 18 episodes, something like that. You've had yours for 200 plus. Um, it's hard at first. Right. To, to get it okay. going, get it off the ground. Um, but then as time goes, you get more people listening, more people recognizing it. And, and then you, you get those same comments. And that is what's so fun is you get to give those people a voice, but then you get to get feedback from your listeners about, hey, that was a great episode. I really enjoyed that. And, you you know, hopefully you impacted somebody's life that day. For sure. And one of the things we did just before COVID hit was really try to learn more about our listenership. And we found that we had, compared to other podcasts, a lot more listeners on desktop than you might expect, because usually we think about podcasts being a mobile experience. And the conclusion we came to is that there were a, a number of our listeners were probably women listening at work. And oh, wow. which means that, you know, there really is this inspiration part, you know, the, those who might be considering doing their own venture or having a day job and a side gig. Uh, the idea that they could tap in and hear the stories of other people 
and feel like, wow, that's doable, that's accessible, I have the possibilities. Those people have the same doubts and concerns and worries that I have, and they did it, so why not me? Right, absolutely. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Um, if you if you have, somebody's listened to this episode and they have the thought of starting their own podcast, um, what advice would you give them? Oh, I always tell them to start with, what do you want the outcome to be? Because if you're gonna spend this much time creating content for people and people are gonna find you and find it interesting, then to what end? Is it really about telling the stories of those people you interview or of the, the ideas that you wanna share with the world? Great, is it about growing your business? Okay, let's get really specific about that and how that's gonna dovetail into that. Is it about having another revenue stream? Let's unpack that and really understand how podcasts are monetized. But you yeah. know, start with the big, start with the end in mind, and you know, what does success look like? It can take many different forms. I know a gentleman I met at a conference. You know, he's like, he does a podcast in Atlanta, and his purpose is to reach his. He's a black man, and his purpose is to reach other black men with the the stories and information he wants to share. Whether he makes a dime off of it is irrelevant to him. Reaching people is what drives him to do it. So I always ask people to start with what What are you trying to do here? What is what will success look like? And then we can start to understand whether or not a podcast is the best way to achieve that goal. And then from there, it just becomes about when and how often and with whom and all those right. kind of good things about the, the practicalities of doing it. Well, I'm assuming that, you know, my, my next and, and final question that I have for you today is um, going to have a very similar answer because I see a pattern, um, you know, kind of developing here is that you're very process oriented. Um, and so, uh, you know, my, my final question for you is if somebody was in a startup community, right, or, or had an idea that they thought would uh, they could turn into a business. Uh, what advice would you give to somebody out there who's listening to the show who is uh, thinking about either a starting a business or maybe maybe has already started one, but it hasn't necessarily taken off yet? What advice yeah. would you give them? The, the, the real crux of the matter, and you're right, I am process oriented. And the process I use in that case is the business model canvas. You might use the lean canvas, business model canvas. They're all on on very similar um very similar tools, but the fundamental question is, what problem are you solving, for whom, why, and how? Yeah. Uh, because we have to be crystal clear on those things, and then you go out and you talk to the people you think you're solving the problem for, they'll tell you a whole bunch of things you weren't anticipating. You can come back to the drawing board and decide whether or not that, their problems are in fact the ones you want to solve, and if there's a sufficient number of, of them to pay you. So today in the news is, um, I think it's pronounced Quibi, the their, uh, mobile only 12 minute episodes. Uh, they raised one almost $1.8 billion and they shut their doors today, six oh, wow. months into the venture, right? Wow. Um, they had some really big names behind them. They have experienced tech, tech entrepreneurs from Silicon Valley behind them which is why they were able to raise so much money. Yeah. They're not successful, not because they didn't have enough money, but I would argue because nobody wanted to buy what they were selling. So it goes back to the fundamental. What problem are you solving for whom, why, and how, and then will they pay you to solve it? In this case, nobody was gonna pay them to solve it. And right. uh, $1.8 billion did not change that. Wow, yeah, that's, well, and I, I think what is so, um, cool about this episode is you've given some really tangible advice for either somebody's, you know, either a already an entrepreneur, 
um, be gonna, thinking about becoming an entrepreneur, or even see now somebody who wants to, you know, start a podcast, you know, um, and that's the whole point of my show. My the whole point of my my podcast is to give people advice um, who are either in leadership positions um, or who are thinking about starting a business or are running a business today. Um, and I think you've done that. And I, you know, I really appreciate you coming on the show today and, and sharing your wisdom. Um, and if somebody would, you know, want to reach out to you, where can they find your contact information? Sure. Uh, they can visit my website at uh, purposefirstadvisors.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn and uh, reach out uh, through email, cmaxfield at purposefirstadvisors.com. And your podcast can be found where? Ah, thank you. Um, shameless plug for that would be Entrepreneurially Thinking, and you can find it on your favorite podcast platforms. Well, Christy, I, from the, on behalf of STL Leaders and myself, I appreciate you giving us 30 minutes of your time today to come on and talk to us about a variety of different topics. I hope that our listeners found it um, valuable. I know I sure did. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the STL Leaders podcast. This episode was brought to you by Synchrony HR. Do you struggle with your HR? Are you tired of the rising cost of benefits? Synchrony HR here in St. Louis helps organizations streamline their administration provides HR consulting, and offers unique access to Fortune 500 benefits. To learn more, visit SynchronyHR.com.